Have you ever met someone with an amazing spirit, like someone who radiates positivity and authenticity and honesty? Well, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you will by the time we get to the end of this next interview. My guest, Holly Martin, gracefully shares her wisdom about first and second marriages and divorces, co-parenting, blended families, and becoming a whole, complete version of herself. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. The Happy Even After Podcast. The Happy Even After Podcast. Divorce sucks, but it doesn't need to define you, and it doesn't need to be the end of your story. The Happy Even After Podcast. Meet your host, Renee Bauer, an award-winning divorce attorney, peacemaker, author, and founder of The D Course, an online divorce educational program. She's been doing this work for almost two decades, and she is passionate about helping all women Make it out the other side. The Happy Even After Podcast. Let's jump in. All right. Thanks for being here today. I am here with Holly Martin. Holly is a mindset coach and an innovator, and her passion is helping others find balance so that they can dream big ideas. But Holly faced the ultimate mindset challenge 10 years ago when she got divorced. Her children were only one, two, and four at the time. So Holly, first of all, thank you for being here. I am so humbled and grateful that you were willing to share your story because so often this is a topic that people don't want to talk about and they're ashamed. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. How did you know 10 years ago that your divorce was the way that it had to happen? Yeah. So trust was broken. And you know, for the first time, I was forgiven. And it happened a second time. And then when, when the pattern keeps happening, I realized I had to decide, do I want to live like this with someone that I don't trust or not? And always with kids, we think, you know, I was thinking it'd be best for the kids for us to be together. Then ultimately I realized if I'm unhappy, you know, and we're not good together, that actually isn't good for the kids. They'd be better us being separate and happy. So how long of a process did that take you in order to make that realization? It was a long time. And it's funny, I look back now, I'm like, I can't believe I waited, you know, that long. So probably two years was the first time that I like knew I needed to do it and waited. And then uh, we had our third daughter during that time. And so then you think, well, we'll just make it work, you know, for the baby, because that's that's a really emotional time. But then I remember when she was little and looking at her and being like, I don't want her to see, I want her to see her mom be a warrior and be strong and stand up for herself and not just put up with. A second best. Wow. Okay. So you had essentially an infant at the time, right? I did. Yeah. The little ones were, so it was July. I think they moved out when he moved out and they were one and two. And so, but I made that decision, you know, the months prior to that. Was there ever a moment where you thought maybe you would stay just for the kids? For sure. And that's where it's so important to have good people in your life because at those moments where you just think, I don't know if I can do it, uh, for sure, I definitely. I'd go back and I had people I'm like, will you remind me? You know, will you remind me what I told you? I would tell them I do want to do this. And when I am having a hard time breaking down, please bring it back to me so that I can remember and the support I reached out for help. I think a lot of times we don't like to receive help. And during that time, I was the recipient of a lot of service. And what you got to remember when that's happening is at one point you'll be on the other side and then you can turn around and give the service. And so at that time, I did take it because I knew I needed it because I couldn't. I couldn't take work and the three kids and the emotional state I was in without some help. What type of help? 
So I had everything from a friend would make a meal for her family and then take a portion of it and bring it over to me almost every single night. I had people that took my children so that I could go not only work, but even just go and relax. Before I had work meetings at my house, I had a team member. She would come over an hour early and pick up my house for me so that when everybody came over, it, you know, it was clean. Just so many acts of service. You know, people coming and just sitting with me and I would just sit on the couch and cry a lot, a lot of nights. And so they just sat next to me while I cried at night. Just that, that is, that was the only way I made it through. And I think that that's so powerful because so many people get stuck in that moment of grief and they decide that they can't get through the other side and they decide not to take that step forward and they go backwards because that is, it's so hard and so painful to just sit there and cry and not know, right? Correct. Yeah. The unknown. And that's where you're at right at that point is, will I be okay? And that's like, will, you know, how will this work with the kids? How so many unknown, but that's when just trust you know, I didn't, I took each step at a time rather than trying to look out. Like, what can I do today? What can I do tomorrow? That's going to be good for my kids. That's good for me. And not really worrying about the future, honestly, that it was going to be taken care of. Did you experience any shame or embarrassment about your divorce? Oh, a lot. So I grew up in a really strict religious family. And so people didn't get, I remember thinking, I don't know many other people who are divorced. So I was 30 at this time. And I couldn't think of a lot of people. I remember there was a couple a uh, couple people I could think of. And so it was very embarrassing. And it was the year I turned 30. And the beautiful thing about that is that was the year when I decided, you know what? I don't care what people think about me. I had to really, really work on that. And this this really helped it. And just, they don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And we're as sick as the secrets we keep. I really believe that. And so I, I believe I'm just going to share. I'm going to put it out there. Um, not in a blaming kind of way or a poor me way, but um, that's, and that's how my life is right now. And so I'm not going to back down from it. I'm just going to share factual. And that really helped when I just was like, that's their opinion. All that ma- matters is me and that I'm taking care of my girls. Right. And it's just part of your story. It's not mm-hmm. your entire story. Correct. I love, I love that. So what did you do from there? So now you're a divorced mom with three kids. How do you move forward from that point? Yeah, the first, I couldn't move forward until I forgave. And that is the biggest part in the... I actually wasn't moving forward because I thought in order to forgive, I had to stay with him. And so I got permission when talking to someone wiser than me and said, you can forgive him and not stay married to him. And I was like, okay, good. Because I really do believe that we should forgive. And so it was a few months later, I truly was like, I don't blame you. We all make decisions and you know, we can't control the people's decisions. So I just took it away and just said that was, that was okay. That was his choice. And now it's up to me to decide where it goes from here. And so I wanted to make sure financially that we were set. And so I had got the childcare lined up and I had a business and I worked that business really smart, you know, smart with my time and was able to expand it. And so that really was freeing to be able to increase my income. So then I was able, that just took stress away a lot. And then a lot of self-care. So let me go back to the forgiveness because I think that that's so hard to do, especially if you've been betrayed. You know, how do you forgive someone for hurting you? Did you go to him and say, I forgive you? Or was it more an internal forgiveness? It was more internal. I think I said, I said it prior to that, but it wasn't really true. You know, afterwards, I'm like, okay, I forgive you. Let's whatever. But I was physically sick 
So after I got divorced, I ended up in the hospital because I lost like 15 pounds. I did not have 15 pounds to lose and just the anxiety and some of throwing up. And I'm like, I can't do this. If I'm sick, I can't take care of my kids. And the unforgiveness and the holding the grudge is honestly part of this making me ill. So that was just kind of a within just to come to Jesus moment, like, you know, on the floor crying and then just really choosing because, I mean, I really believe we all sin. Everybody's sin just looks different. And so at some point I'm going to need someone to forgive me. You know, I, I always, always do. I always need people to forgive me. We all make mistakes. And I just had to take it as just forgive, you know, and move on. And I love that scripture where it talks about how much we forgive others is how we will be forgiven. Like if you, if you read the Bible, but I think that's a principle thing beyond that even. That's what we give, we get in return. And so just showing grace, even when it's really hard <laughs> to show right. grace to somebody, but to show grace to that, knowing, you know, you never know at some point I'll be in a place where I'm going to need the same forgiveness. And that's beautiful. But now the question is how long after did that take you to get to that place? Because I feel like, you know, if you're just a few months after your divorce, it's still so raw. And that's asking so much from someone to give that forgiveness that they may feel like the other person doesn't deserve. Mm-hmm. And I, I literally, I felt like it was life or death. Like my health and my business was going to be bad. So it was July that he moved out, September I filed, and it was November. I remember because it was around Thanksgiving. So it was three months, but those three months were gut-wrenching. Like, like I wasn't able to work. You know, like I said, I wasn't healthy. And it really just, I'm like, I can't take care of my kids if I don't do this. And I can't afford to make this go a year or two years or a couple years in. And so it was that couple month mark. And then it was like a weight was lifted. Wow. Everything after that, you know, it was able to, there was, there was a lot of challenges still, but the feeling like I would have to like recite scriptures and positive things through the day to even just not break down. You know, it was, wow. it was really heavy, but once I lifted that, then I, I could function. And so you made a conscious decision that you were not going to let this define you or bring you down. You had that a moment, a pivotal moment, it sounds like. It, it was. And I think having kids was a blessing in it, having them be that little where now they're older. And so now it's more emotional needs that I take care of for them. But at that point, it was changing diapers. And it was, I physically couldn't make a meal and change my kid's diaper, give them baths because I was in, you know, in a rough place. And I was like, I can't do that. So it was a, it was a good thing that it forced me. It forced my hand to make a choice. And so I was able to do it. Are you able to co-parent through all of that? Yeah. So that part took longer to be like completely now, like we're great friends. It's awesome. And so it's been a while. So I would say it was two years where I still didn't love it. Like I could forget him and stuff, but I sure as heck didn't want to talk to him anymore beyond right. the minimum needed. And now I can, we totally talk about the kids and it's, it's really awesome. Actually, fortunately, because we both, both right now, it's just about the kids, you know? And so everything in the past is in the past. And I think my big thing is the kids see that. And that has helped a ton with them and their development. You know, just knowing they're loved by both sides. And we, they never saw us fight. We made a point where I've never said a bad word about their dad. He backs me up. He doesn't ever say anything bad about me. And so I'm really grateful for that as well. You just gave me chills because that's everything that... I mean, that's how I co-parent with with my ex too. And it makes everything so much more peaceful too. 
and it's not a source of stress, but it's not easy to do. And I think that a lot of times people just say, I can't do it. And there's just too much stuff left over. So how do you tell someone that it's, it's worth the effort? Yeah, it's so worth effort when it's not, it's not about you. I guess that's what came back to. It's not about me being right. It's not even about, even if his idea, I don't even think it's a great idea, but he says it and the kids are excited. As long as it's not going to hurt anybody, I'm like, great. you know, And I back it up. And so I don't know, just just maturity, but which is really hard when there's a lot of emotion. And so I really protect my energy as well. So I don't let there be like when a bad thought or bad whatever comes up, like I completely push it away. So a lot of meditation, a lot of deep breathing. And so it's actually made everything more harmonious because I just decided I'm going to raise my vibration, raise my energy level, and it's going to be here. And I'll find the kids and him even, even rise to meet that. And so people will match the energy that you put out. And so when he knows I'm not trying to do anything malicious or anything that he in turn, you know, and I know not everybody is fortunate enough to have someone that doesn't in return not be malicious, but if they are, I always thought of this too. I want to be able to look in the mirror and say through that process, there's nothing that I'm ashamed of. You know, I didn't trash him in front of the kids. I didn't do anything to hurt him, like keep the kids from him or anything that I can really look back and I can. The last 10 years, I could look in the mirror and say, it was about the kids and none of it was, you know, harm. I didn't do anything extra harmful or hurtful, right. you know, to do that. Cause I sort of really about now, whether your spouse, your ex-spouse can look in the mirror and say that it doesn't, that's, that doesn't matter. It's, it's all on you. You get to make that decision. We can't control other people. And I let that go right away too. I cannot control what he does, who he dates, none of that. So I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it because it's an outer circle problem, not something that I, that I can control. That's a gem. So you can control yourself in your own thoughts, in your own energy, in your own vibration, and not other people. For sure. That's, that's great. You mentioned there were money concerns and issues at the beginning of your divorce as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know that that is a common concern and it's sometimes the reason why people stay in bad marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's scary. Because even if you have a good income, two incomes, when it goes down to one, the expenses don't go down. And that's the real kicker. You know, the housing expenses usually are still the same. I looked at it from when I first did my budget and stuff once we separated. I have to be able to live on my income, whether I get child support or not. So the court can order it or they're supposed to pay it. But what I, what I really suggest is do what you can to where whether they pay or not, because what happened is the times when he didn't pay or he had a job or he didn't have a job, my day-to-day life wasn't affected. I was able to live and made or I lived off my income this last 10 years with no regard for whether or not I got child support. And so I didn't always get it. And thankfully, because had I not, my focus and my energy and my attention would have been on, he should be doing this, he should be paying for this. And that's all negative. And that actually would have probably even, that's the opposite of abundance. And it would have even hurt my business. And so because it was always, I have overflow, just the affirmations. I have overflow. You know, I am abundant. I have more than enough for my kids. I have enough to give. And just saying that and believing it and going into action will honestly take things and turn it in your favor instead of focusing on what's not happening or what he's not doing. So that'd be my best advice is do whatever you can to make it worth just... And that extra income that comes from him, awesome. You know, I put a savings account, put it for extra pickers for the kids whatever you choose to do, but not have it be for your basic needs. Did you have to make an adjustment to your lifestyle after the divorce? Yeah, I did. It was before, we, I didn't have to really think about extras. You know, we did a lot of extras and 
for a little bit, but then after that, and that's that following year, I had my best year ever uh, in my business and really grew it because I did adjust my lifestyle. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to. I really liked how we were living, and I really the kids were young enough that they didn't notice. And so I don't know if I'll go into this later, but I got remarried five years later, and then I just got divorced again last year. And this that was a bit even bigger adjustment because our lifestyle was even higher. And when I now the kids are teens. They would notice if no, they no longer got to do the stuff they were doing, you know, as much or couldn't participate in sports or whatever extras they wanted to do. And so I went into gear, I went to work, raised my income, and so I didn't have to adjust, you know, my my living style once I got divorced. And yeah, I really want to talk about that because um, you and I connected before, and we have the same story because I'm also twice divorced. And you know, for me, there was so much shame and embarrassment around that. It's not just you couldn't make it work once; you can't make it work twice. And what's wrong with you? How did you reconcile that? Yeah, that was a hard one too. And so that I I would say I definitely went in so naive, which I think, how could you be naive? You've already been married, you know, all that. You've already been married. You should have, you should have known blended families are no joke. It is hard. And so the second time, I mean, fortunately I had done so much work on myself and the overcoming from the first one and the not caring what people think. That one I had to ultimately look at my kid, look at myself and be like, what's the best scenario for us? You know, and it was to leave. And Granted, from the outside, it might not have made sense to other people, but that's where it really was. It doesn't matter whether it makes sense to them or not. You know, I can say a hundred percent it was the best thing for me and the kids, and so that was more motivation to you know to go and then of course you know continue to work to be able to build build business and then maintain our thing. And it's it I hate saying it out loud even now, and I think we should more. And that's why I say it. I try to say it more and share it more because again, you're sick of the secret you keep. And so what I find, and you'll find too, anyone that's been through divorce, when you share things, everybody in the room can raise their hand. Yep. Same thing here. Same thing here. And I'm like, I never knew that because nobody shares it. Right. And and that's the whole purpose of this podcast is to share our stories. And so other people can connect and know that they're not alone in all of this. We'll be back just after this message. If you are feeling confused and overwhelmed by the divorce process, the D course can help. This video course will educate and empower you to make the best decisions for your future. Taught by an experienced divorce attorney, you will learn everything you need to move forward into your next chapter. Head on over to www.thedecourse.com for more information. You do not have to do this alone. So where do you go from here? Yeah, so now at this point, I really am a huge believer in self-care and really giving ourselves, if we can fill ourselves up, we have more to give to others. So if we can be just everything from financially to emotionally to acts of service, you know, I talked about the tables turned. Some four people would come and take my kids. I was a single mom and you know was really drowning. And then it got to the point where now I'm good. My kids are a little older. Now I go and take other people's kids who are single moms who are hurting. You know, and financially people help me. And now I can help other people financially. It's this really cool thing that table turn. And who's to say we don't know what's going to happen in life. You know, I know I'll have a downtime because that's just how life is. And the same thing will happen. So I think if we can always just be looking at who who can we help 
you know, who can we pour into, whether it's just words of affirmation, you know, or if it is acts of service or actually, but the focus right now has just been gratitude and just looking at what I have and being really grateful for it and seeing who else, you know, God gave me everything that I have, not just for me, but to help others. And by doing that, we stay, the times when I look in and I'm like, man, or I might have a regret, it, it quickly goes away when I can take and turn any of that energy into something positive. And that's amazing. And it's so beautiful because I think so often we get stuck in this negative pattern of thinking of, of life is happening to you and things are happening to you and you're a victim. And you just turn that whole thought process on its head. And I love that. Thanks. Beautiful. And one of my friends, he's a retired divorce attorney of 45 years. And he told me, it's so good. You can only tell the story twice. He's like, tell it to your divorce lawyer and you can tell it to a friend, a sister, your mom, but don't keep repeating it. Mm. You know, the, the decision that your ex made or something he said or something he did that it is, it is, doesn't make sense. And maybe it is wrong, but by just keep saying it, you're just going to get more of that. So just really start speaking what you do want. And I would visualize too, like, okay, it's just me and my kids. What do I want? It's, I have three daughters. So we just, we are an all girl house. Like they have girls sleep on like, your house is so cool. You know, I love, you guys have so much fun and just, you get to create that environment. So rather than something's missing, you know, oh, their dad isn't in the house or, you know, we're missing or I don't have a partner. No, you, you now create, I had a hard time with that. I remember getting our first family pictures with just me and the girls. And it was like hard. I'm like, whoa. And then I just embraced it. You know, this is where we're at right now and it's awesome and make good and don't feel like something's missing or keep looking for something else to fulfill that because I promise you it won't. Because I did get remarried. It didn't fulfill it. You know, there were things inside of me that I needed to fix. I needed to come to terms with to be whole. Another person wasn't going to make me whole. Yeah. And you bring up such a good point because every year around Christmas time, I pull out all of the Christmas cards and there's a stretch of time and there's a period that I will go through our old ones and it's just me and my son. And those are the moments like it automatically brings me back to, hey, you were on your own in that year and that one and that one. And being okay with sending the card out with not having this full family on the card, you know, and that's, that's tough. I've had the same thing, the same thing with the Christmas cards, you know, because my thought is what are people going to think? Yeah. They're going to judge me. Because um, honestly, I had a Christmas card. I was single. Then I had a couple Christmas cards. We were a blended family. Yeah. My Christmas card this year, I was single. Yep. Yep. And just, being okay with it. You know, really people that love you, that they just want to see you happy ultimately. And so, and that's, that's for the people that don't, that it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so you right. don't need to take their, their opinions into consideration. So did you keep all the Christmas cards? Because the, my second marriage, which was really short too, that year just disappeared. In fact, I think I like cut it in half. So I still had the picture of my son, <laughs> but some of it's missing. I'm going through stuff right now and I I found some, you know, with that. And there's a little bit of, I mean, there's a little bit of pain to look at that. I'm like, hmm, because when you go, no one goes into marriage to get divorced. Right. You know, you go in like seeing future and seeing that. And so I just pivot. That's just the best thought of it. It wasn't an end. It wasn't it just, it was a pivot, you know, we pivoted that direction. I'm going to go another. And it just went, it went a different way. And sometimes it's good because I feel like too, everybody, both partners play a role in the divorce. So even if one person is quote, at fault or maybe did the deal breaker thing that the reason why you got divorced, both parties play a, play a role in it. And so I definitely took responsibility for that too. Like what are the things I did, you know, that ultimately led us here? And so it's, it isn't, it's not just one-sided. And until we 
look at that too. And, um, and even if, even if your partner did something awful, like there's still, there's still two sides, you know, we still play a role in it. And if we don't come to terms with that, that we'll bring it into our next marriage, into our next relationships. And so I'm a big fan of after you get divorced, take a break. Mm, And I know it's different time periods for different people with small children. It was more than three years before I dated. Because I couldn't, where I was, just I couldn't take care of three kids full time, you know, do my work and have that. I wasn't there. And so it was about three years in that it was. And some people say a year, but I really believe like, look at what is for you. And it's going to be longer than you think. Because initially I'm like, oh, I'll be good. And you're just, if you go in without coming whole again, broken, you know, it's not a good setup. Well, so... As a divorce attorney, when I see people jump into relationships or clients start the relationship while the divorce is going on, or maybe it started before the divorce started or soon after, they always fail. And they always are going after the person that's completely opposite than their current spouse, which is not necessarily the best thing either. So you're not making the wisest choices at that Mm -hmm. point. So that's such good advice is to take a break and just be with yourself. You have to love you. That's where I yeah. go back to really love you. And after some of those things, it's kind of hard to love you because you're disappointed in you. You're hurt. You're, you know, things going on, but you have to truly, you know, just be a, be good. Just, just be able to sit with yourself. And then once you become hundred, it's not 50, 50, like it's not someone's 50 and then you become whole. Like, I feel like you have to be whole. They are whole. And then you come together, you know, and complement each other. But you can't quote need. If you feel like I need, cause I thought, oh, it'll be easier with the second income. It'll be easier someone else there to help with the kids. No, because all the stuff, the help that comes, there's also then the other you know, baggage and the problems that come with it on the same side. So you have to be with somebody not because you need or quote want or you know that it's, you have to be totally good on your own. And then that person comes. And so what it, were the biggest challenges that you had as a blended family? Wow. Being on the same page with the children. That was hard. They were all similar ages. And when, you know, they're with their mom, just your parents different, not bad, just different. And so I, I mean, my heart goes out to the kids, honestly, in those situations, because that that's not being having the same rule set. And so we weren't, we didn't prepare, no, honestly, for like, when this happens, you need to have it set up for when they do something there and they lose a phone or electronics, when they come to the other parent's house, do they get it back? Does the punishment continue? Something as small as that, because we're not on the same page. And we didn't, the communications break down to get there. Just, it never happened. Do you have any tips as to how to address that and to avoid any of those things that you talk about? I would say when you're dating, date with eyes wide open and then get married and then you can squint. (laughs) Because I feel like (laughs) there were things that we were dating and they would do. And I'm like, I don't really love that. But when we're married and in the same house, that'll all be fixed. Mm -hmm. No, that will be magnified and it will be worse. And so at dating, talk about these things. And that might be like, well, you're just dating. But once you're engaged, I mean, the emotions and everything that that comes along with all that and the excitement and the honeymoon phase of that and take your time. I went way too fast. Mm -hmm. Boom. You know, we were married and moved in and in no time before I really knew. We're never going to know everything. And again, you can date someone for a long time and still don't know it all, but um, take your time. Right. And how long were you dating before you got engaged? It was like seven months. Yeah. Or, no, or we were married from dating from December to July. So yeah. dating in December and married in July. Are we sisters? Because- 
same story. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just not enough time to really see right. how you know how it's gonna how it's gonna blend. And so that's some guilt come from that too. Like I think, oh, my kids went through a second right. divorce. I mean, and so I have I had to I couldn't. It's done, right? So feeling guilty and being whatever isn't gonna doesn't serve me. Doesn't serve them. Um, I talk about lessons that I learned, you know, things that I always talk about the positive. There was a lot of positive that came out of it too. Obviously he was an awesome guy. I married him, you know, so I can't, I can't just say negative. So I, I highlight the positive of it too. So you can just look every experience, you know, you can gain something from even if there's an end. Right. And to forgive yourself and let yourself release the guilt a little bit, because I think the guilt will kill you. It for sure. Shame and guilt. I'm a big Brene Brown fan. You know, because that we really have to address that and talk about that because it will. And so I, I think that because of the way I handled it and came out of it, that that my kids are better for it. You know, versus seeing it as, you know, it definitely was hard. I'm not going to say it's not hard. It was it was really hard and emotional. But they're watching us and they're watching how we react and how we respond. And so I feel like it's modeling to them that you're going to go through hard things, but it's your choice it's how you come out on the other side. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. And it's, it's sometimes you don't want to have those uncomfortable conversations with them, but it's life and it's a lesson for them. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I absolutely love your story. I love your perspective on it. I think it's such a challenge for people to, to feel that way. And they, they hold on to resentment and they hold on to the anger and they, they engage in the blame game and don't look into themselves to see what role that they they played in that. So what mm-hmm. advice do you have to someone who's listening and who says, oh, but it's not my fault. It's my husband's fault. He did it all. Mm-hmm. So you're a victor, not a victim. The minute you step into victim role, it's lose-lose. You know, so I, I looked at it as, yes, you know, made choices that I couldn't control and that were out. However, it's up to me how I respond to it because there are going to be, that's going to happen your entire life. People are going to make choices that affect you negatively and by letting go of trying to control. Because if we really honestly try to and think we can control someone else, then we will ultimately be let down 100% of the time. But I know that I can control my response and that's power. And so I have, I have an energy that I can hold and I can bring um, and what they choose, great, but I, I can walk away with my head held high, you know, knowing that I either didn't play into it, succumb to it, let it affect me, and that I'm doing doing good. And I always think my thing is that's interesting. So someone says something or does something rather than react, just neutralize the whole situation of that's interesting. So your ex spouse isn't going to pay child support. That's interesting. <laughs> and then you then you just it just levels it out versus how could he, you know, or why and just you know, don't, don't let yourself get escalated. Don't let your emotions go control. I always say that you are a thermostat, not a thermometer. So you're 72. So I was 72, you know, when all that was going on as much as I could, once I forgave him, you know, with everything and I wasn't all over the place. It just, we can't afford to do that, you know, for our own mental health and for the people that are watching us as well. Wow. And so that is, is such good advice for someone who says, well, my ex, just when he sends me texts, they're yelling at me and there's name calling. And, and so your response is just to say that's interesting and not respond in kind. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting. He's really hurting. Yeah. That's interesting. He must be really regret having big regrets right now. Or that's interesting. You know, this is going on in his life and he's taking it out on me. 
So I always look at it, it's not me. It's never you. When people are going off like that, it's not you. Something is happening and they're, they're putting it on you. So I, I honestly, for the long time in the beginning, I felt so bad for my ex. Like I felt really sorry for him because we, we had a really great life and now he doesn't get to live full time with his kids. Like I'm like, I hurt for you. I'm sorry for you. I'm not mad at you. I'm sorry. That's got to be painful. So when they act a certain way, I'm like, that's where that's coming from. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's so, I mean, it's, it's just so powerful to look at it that way and to take that on and not be hung up in all of that regret and pain. It's beautiful. So some final parting words. If there's someone out there who is listening and they're scared and they're overwhelmed and they feel so uncertain about a divorce in their future, what do you say to them? So this is all a choice. So no matter what your spouse does or doesn't do, you get to choose how this, how you come out of this, right? You get to choose your actions right now. And so just completely step, take it away from what he's doing. And that's not a part of the factor and pick what you want. How do you want this to look? Where do you want to go from here and make that decision? Because once the decision is made, the mind is made up and then at the universe all comes together and it starts going into action. So start speaking what you want, talking about visualizing and find someone who is where you want to be. So I had friends that were divorced. They were even remarried or had split families and were successful you know, in their new things and went and got advice from them. Going back and forth and bad talking with your girlfriends or your family doesn't move you forward. And so at this point, right now, it sucks when you're in the, in the thick of it. It really does. There's no way around that. And you might think, well, how can I be positive? Start with just little things. Even if you have to stop and just do deep breaths for a minute. We just do shallow breaths all day. Even just taking a deep breath, it's going to change your whole physiology and make sure that you move. Whether you're walking, just move because that also changes and helps your mind. Because I de- definitely did fall towards depression during this when this happened. And if you have, so this was situational depression. So I've, like I said, I'm not trying to, but I knew it was for the situation. And there were things I could do. And when I did them, I did feel better. So I noted that I feel better when I work out. I feel better when I call this friend and talk to her. I feel better when I am you know, eating healthier and taking care of myself. So note the little things that are helping when I got more sleep and start doing those for yourself to help restore your body. And then your mind will come along with that too. But you're not alone. There's so many of us that are, have been in that exact same place and are doing amazing on the other side and you'll get there too. Great advice. Thank you so much, Holly. And uh, where can people connect with you and follow you and continue to hear your words of inspiration? Yeah, I would love. I love social media. So on Instagram, it's the Holly Martin. Um, and then on Facebook, it's just under Holly Martin. All right, perfect. And those links will be in the show notes as well. So thanks for listening, everyone. And thank you, Holly, for sharing your story. Thanks so much for having me. That's a wrap. Link up with us at MsReneeBauer.com. Remember to rate and review and share with anyone you think might find this episode helpful. You can change your story and live happy even after. Oh.